morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, September 2nd. What it's like for children with special needs returning to school. That's next, but first, let's do the headlines. The effectiveness of both the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines have significantly waned over time. That's according to new research from UCSD published in a letter in the New England Journal of Medicine. The authors measured the effectiveness of the vaccines among healthcare workers at UCSD Health. They noted that the vaccine effectiveness back in March through June exceeded 90 percent, but by July it had fallen to 65 percent. The price of a home in San Diego has gone up more than 27 percent in the past year. That's according to the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index. San Diego prices have also exceeded other California home markets. It's the second largest price jump in the country. The only market with price gains higher than San Diego is Phoenix, Arizona, at just over 29 percent. As the Calder fire continues to rage in the Lake Tahoe Basin, Governor Gavin Newsom says he'll support those who were in harm's way, and he reaffirmed the state's commitment to fighting climate change. So we'll deal situationally as we do here in California to suppress these wildfires, but we have to deal with the sustainable responsibility to continue to lead on climate change. And that is our resolve and commitment, a backseat to no one in this country in terms of our commitment to radically change the ways we produce and consume energy in our state. Newsom says he'll be going back to the Calder Fire burn zone in the next few days to see more of what's been lost and what's being done to protect those still in the fire's path. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry. The Park Redison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. Thousands of students across the county are back on school campuses this fall, making up for lost time in their learning. The COVID-19 shutdown was especially challenging for children with special needs who now return to classes in person after more than a year without being around their teachers and friends. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez introduces us to one mother determined to make sure her son gets the education he needs. Alejandro Blanco is a good speller. He can write his mother's phone number, too. That's something he's learned with her help right here at their dining room table. I know I have to take care of my son. And since then, I I love my son with all my heart and having me, his mommy, and do everything that is in my power to 
for him to be okay. Maria Lopez is a single mother raising her son with some help from his grandmother, who he calls mom. Maria is his mommy. Alejandro likes to be called Alex. Monday morning, he joined other students in San Diego Unified for the first day of school. He is now a freshman at Madison High School. And on September 9th, he turns 14 years old. His mother remembers the delight and the distress of the day he was born when the doctor gave her the news. Me, I was like hoping that he was fine and I'd see him when I saw him. He was so beautiful. He told me that he has Down syndrome. So I always ask God, like, I hope my son, he only had like a little bit. With the Down syndrome diagnosis, Alex has received special education support and therapy throughout his elementary and middle school years. That includes an annual individual education program called an IEP. That's a federal legal document that outlines goals and services for each student with special needs. Regular meetings for parents and teachers are part of the program. The COVID shutdown forced teachers to scramble to hold IEP meetings online or by phone. I think they thought the federal government was going to come in and give them a pass for all of this. Jennifer Rail taught special education for 30 years. Now she's a professional special education advocate who supports parents during IEP meetings with school administrators and teachers. Really, parents just want to know um, where their kids are at, if they've regressed during this time, um, if they've made progress with virtual learning. They just want answers. This fall, San Diego Unified is offering online learning through its virtual academy program and will also offer a choice of online or in-person IEP meetings. While Alex made some progress while learning at home, his mother is happy that he's at Madison High School now, where he has friends. I want the best for him. And I want, I know he can learn a lot. If you, if you, if you work with him, I know he can do a lot of things and, the, and he can be, be successful for, for, for his, and for later on. Yes. Show us what you got, Alex. Later on for this young man means after he turns 21 and ages out of the school support system as an adult. While that's seven years away for Alex, Maria Lopez says every semester counts. She feels most comfortable expressing the love for her son in her first language. Adoro es, es todo para mí. Es un amor, un amor incondicional, un amor tan grande que yo siento por él. Love modeled and learned in the most important lesson of all. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors passed what's believed to be a first-in-the-nation resolution declaring misinformation surrounding the pandemic a public health crisis. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says it came after 15 hours of often contentious public comment. The resolution says misinformation surrounding coronavirus is prolonging the pandemic and potentially deadly for San Diegans. During a marathon board meeting Tuesday night, the region's largest health care providers spoke in favor of it. Misinformation is a poison to our communities and it is having a ripple effect in our hospitals. 
We have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is about taking a more active role in developing resources to combat misinformation in order to help our community make informed health choices. There were just over 170 public speakers on the resolution, majority against it, claiming it infringes on their First Amendment rights. If this passes tonight, the sun will come up in the morning and everyone who's here will still have the exact same ability to speak out and to say whatever it is you would like to say. But if this passes tonight, our county will be on record calling out misinformation for what it is. The resolution directs county staff to be more aggressive in combating misinformation, some of which was heard during the board meeting. And I think the first thing that you can do is get rid of this notion that that Pfizer vaccine has been approved by the FDA. It has not, and I can give you the letter if you like it. Everybody with a clue knows that these COVID tests are absolutely irrelevant. Well, it's a biotoxin. It's a bioweapon. An experimental gene therapy. Bio, I mean, it's like you could call it so many things. It's not even a vaccine. Some question who gets to decide what misinformation is and claim that the pandemic is being made up or exaggerated. It's and all been a big plot. This is a huge scam. You're creating a crisis that isn't there. Why do you care who dies? Wouldn't that be kind of a blessing? There's too many people on the planet, right? Let people die. Let, let that, that, that process take place. Others were there to voice their concerns about vaccine mandates. We don't want it at all. We just want to have that choice to opt out. The board was split. None of us want to see our neighbors die or our family or our friends, but um, I don't know how you stop misinformation or free speech, nor would I want to. Supervisors ultimately voted three to two to adopt the resolution. I believe that the masks work. I believe that the vaccine works. I believe that we have. And so I am not going to back down from doing what I believe is right. And that reporting from KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. A new rental assistance program for landlords is now available through the county, with a tenant program set to start on Friday. But KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne says many are hesitating to apply. The pandemic caused many San Diego renters to fall late on their rent. And although rental assistance programs have become available, Herminia Ramirez says people aren't rushing to apply. There's a lot of questions and unknowns for, for community members that it's hard for them to trust in this type of assistance. And particularly with the, the population that we serve and we focus on in, in my program. Ramirez manages programs for outreach and migrant health for Vista Community Clinic. Starting today, community organizations like Vista Community Clinic will begin outreach for the county's newest rental assistance program. This one is aimed at helping landlords operating less than five rental units. Qualifying landlords may receive up to $15,000 per unit in late rent dating back to April 2020. Maria Yanis is the housing program manager for the city of Oceanside. She says the application process for this program is also online, something not everyone is comfortable with. In a tech-savvy world, you would think everybody would be up to par on all the technology and how we can get um, documents done. We've had a lot of individuals have um, limited capacity on what they can and can't do online. Um, many of them themselves don't know how to um, maneuver through an online portal, let alone upload documents. Yanis says many times people needing assistance prefer a face-to-face -face meeting versus online or over the phone. 
Ramirez says the county is relying on community-based organizations to help with that. I think the county learned a lot from the trusted messenger model that's been issued out in for other efforts. And, um, and so I think there's a lot to be said for that type of approach and really putting the resources in the community. Information on rental assistance programs can be found on the county website or by calling 211 to connect to a local agency for assistance. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. And we have an update today about a South Bay brewery that was recently forced to take down its outdoor dining area while its neighbors were able to keep theirs. KPBS's Melissa May has more. Just a few weeks ago, the owner of Chula Vista Brewery was ordered to take down his parklet, an outdoor dining space, and questioned why his neighbors could keep theirs. Today, the city of Chula Vista has granted Timothy Parker and the Chula Vista Brewery a new parklet space. And today we have a lot to be proud of in that regard. Shane Harris is the president of the People's Association of Justice Advocates and helped file the original claim against the city of Chula Vista. Today was considered a win for everyone involved. What we plan on doing and moving forward is just going to be an awesome addition to the brewery. And I have to thank everybody involved for helping me do this. Timothy Parker is the owner of Chula Vista Brewery and is grateful that the city is giving him a permit for an outdoor space to complement his new food truck. The National Black Contractors Association already has plans to relocate these plants and create a handicap accessible deck that will add up to 30 additional seats and be an extension of the brewery. This will restore opportunities for this business to sustain its economic sustainability. And one of the things that we are so proud to do is that we're developing or working with the architects and the owners to, divide, to design something that's aesthetically enhancing to this community. Abdurrahim Hamid is the president of the National Black Contractors Association and says building this outdoor space turns what could have been a tragedy of injustice into a showpiece of justice. The brewery is also getting $15,000 in COVID relief funds from a city program to help local businesses build parklets. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. Coming up, a few months ago, a Supreme Court ruling in Mexico barred prohibitions on recreational marijuana, but the legal status of the drug remains complicated. It would be really cool to have those rules, something to regulate us and give us the confidence of knowing what we're consuming. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. 
and thanks again. Mexico's Supreme Court made headlines around the world in late June when it ruled that prohibitions on recreational marijuana were unconstitutional. But despite that seemingly sweeping ruling, the legal status of marijuana remains a complicated one. And that's frustrating for entrepreneurs who look forward to the possibility of selling the drug legally. From the Fronteras desk in Hermosillo, KJZZ's Murphy Woodhouse reports. Just after dark, on a recent Friday, Gabriela Plasencia and Pedro Castillo stepped into Enque Maria, a second-story smoke shop just off the rapidly developing bar and restaurant-lined Bolivar Hidalgo in downtown Hermosillo. Co-owner Javier Vivian asks what brought them in, and Plasencia says a grinder used to break down marijuana into finer, easier-to-smoke pieces. From a display counter packed with rolling papers and other paraphernalia, Vivian pulled out a large magnetic model they liked. But before settling up, Placencia wanted to check out the store's sizable collection of artisanal pipes, bongs, and bubblers. Though just two small adjoining rooms, Enque Maria is a surprisingly exhaustive resource for Hermosillo marijuana smokers. Riffing off a common refrain, Vivian says you can fit a lot into small spaces if you know how to organize. But for the time being, there's no legal space for marijuana itself at the store, though Vivian and his business partner and girlfriend Alejandro Rosas hope that soon changes. In late June, Mexico's Supreme Court met in virtual session and with an 8-3 to vote declared Mexican laws prohibiting recreational use of marijuana unconstitutional. Today is a historic day for freedom, declared court president Arturo Saldivar. But its impacts fall far short of the broad legalization advocates have long demanded, and which the court itself has urged the national legislature to undertake for several years. Julio Salazar is a senior attorney with Mexico United Against Crime, which advocates for legalization and has been involved in national marijuana litigation. Complicated is how he describes POT's current legal status. The principal impact of the ruling is to make it easier for Mexicans to get a use permit from federal health authorities. But while the court ordered them to develop protocols for applicants to enjoy this now protected right, like seed acquisition, Salazar says a clear legal means of acquiring marijuana has yet to be established. The ruling also does not clear the way to legal marijuana sales, according to a court summary. National reform measures that would have done that failed earlier this year, just the latest instance of the legislature failing to meet court-imposed deadlines. No es claro. Salazar says it's also not yet clear whether reform will be a priority for the new Congress, set to start work next month. Mexico's president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, also raised doubts, saying he thinks the selling of marijuana is immoral shortly after the ruling. For Rosas and Vivian, and K. Maria's owners, the slow pace of change has been frustrating. <laughs> Rosa says that marijuana use is already a reality in Mexico and that its regulation would give users more confidence about what they're consuming. As soon as a legal path opens, Rosa says she and Vivian would love to start selling. And they see their shop, one of several that have opened recently in Hermosillo, as a way to get a foot in the door of the lucrative market they believe will eventually come. But they also see it as a place where customers and the simply curious can come and talk comfortably and candidly about marijuana and maybe start to weaken the taboos that exist around it, especially in a state with a conservative reputation like Sonora.
After punching in his card's pin, Castillo and Plasencia packed up their new grinder and some rolling papers. But Vivian said the flamingo bong would be waiting for them next time. Down on the street, both say they hope legalization comes soon and that users in the country as a whole would benefit. Placencia says that attitudes in Mexico about marijuana are going through a time of transition and that shops like Inque Maria can help that process along. And she wishes them well. And that was KJZZ's Murphy Woodhouse reporting from Aramocio. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.